0: Uh, Let's spend a little bit of time in prayer. Jesus, you are the great I am. And Lord, we celebrate not only your humanity, your willingness to come to be born as a child, to live for 33 years, but Jesus, we also celebrate that you are God, that you are holy and you are worthy and you and the Father are one. Lord, I pray that as we hear uh, your word, this morning that we would be encouraged, that we would be in awe of you, that we would worship and honor you, and Jesus, as that leads us towards the table that you have invited us to come to, Lord, may we uh, recognize and repent of our sin, and Jesus, may we uh, remember everything that you have done for us, Lord, be with Smiley, help him to, to speak your words and nothing else. Fill him with your Holy Spirit. It's in your name we pray.
1: Amen. Thank you, Strider. Um, I love good news, don't you? I mean, we live in a world filled with bad news. And, and so this week, I have some really good news to share with you, and that is that three people put their faith in Jesus Christ, and we rejoice with that. <laughs> you might say, well, what happened to the rest of them if you look at the trees? There's over 160 of them, of, of people that have been that to. But wait, there's more. Uh, one of the things that I was really praying for this year is that we would double the number of people who had won someone to faith in Christ from the year before. And last year, we had 21 people who had won someone to faith in Christ. And so I've been praying and praying that we would have 42. And this week, we had someone who led someone to faith in Christ. And we had 42 people who had won someone to faith in Christ. And we (laughs) rejoice with that. The Lord doubled that. And what really gets me excited is about next year. Really, that the Lord does that again. Then you're talking about 100. I mean, you're talking about 84. I, I skipped a year. And then the year after that could be, can you imagine, wouldn't you like to be one of those? Uh, I'm really looking forward to the Lord working in the lives of so many of us in the coming year that we have a chance to to lead someone we love to faith in Christ. And uh, I want to thank all of you who financially support Good News, a a church that's winning the loss and seeking to make disciples who could make disciples. Uh, Thank you so much. Uh, As we enter into this last month, we as a church are behind financially where we would like to have been. And if you're able to give, we'd really, really appreciate your investment to help us out to finish this year strong. We would appreciate that very much. Now, I've got a question for you, uh, and and I want you to ponder it a little bit. Uh, uh, What is the most important question in life? Uh, If someone asks you, what is the most important question, uh, what do you think that would be? I hear some of you, that's pretty good. To me, if, if I was asked, what I would say is the most important question in life is, who is Jesus? Is who is Jesus? That that's more important than any other question because the answer to that question will determine the quality of our life and where we spend eternity, right? Nothing will impact our life now and eternity more than understanding the question, who is Jesus? And some of you, I've not persuaded you yet, so I'll push on a little bit more, What year is it? What year is it? 2022. So what does that mean? Someone lived. Someone lived 2,000 years ago, and that person was so significant that they changed history, that everything before he came is called BC, right before Christ, and everything that comes after him is called in the year of our Lord. Wow, who was this person? So we've been spending the last seven weeks really exploring who Jesus is. And if you'd like to know him, come and see him with us. And so we're, we're kind of finishing a series called, Who Does Jesus Think He Is? And so we walked through the seven great I Ams in John. <clears throat> uh, the seven great I Ams. And we learned that Jesus says, I am the bread of life and the light of the world and the door and the good shepherd and the resurrection in life and the way, the truth and the life and the vine. And now... Wait, there's more. We're in a bonus round. We're going to look at two more IMs in John, and then we'll have an IM for another gospel, and that'll lead us right into Christmas. And who are you going to invite at Christmas? Who are you going to invite? So, in the bonus round, what we're going to look at today is found in John 8, verse 58. Listen to what Jesus said Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. So this is one of the bonus I am's. This is what we're going to explore today. And as we look at this verse, the point of today's message is that Jesus is fully God and fully man. So if you ask the question, who is Jesus? He's fully God and fully man. He has two natures in one person. That's what we're going to unpack. But I want to teach you how to read the Bible and how to interpret the Bible. If you read a verse... You want to ask, what is the context of that verse? How does that verse fit in the wider context? And how does that fit into the flow of the Scriptures? So I'm going to walk you through John 8 a little bit. If you have your Bible, you can open it to John 8. And and here's what we're going to do. And if you don't have a Bible, bring one. It's all about Jesus. But John 8 begins, there's a woman caught in adultery. And she's caught and she's brought to Jesus. And the religious leaders want to stone him. And so Jesus says, whoever... Uh, hasn't sinned, let him throw the first stone. And so people started leaving, and they left from the, thank you, from the oldest to the youngest. You know why? Because the older you get, the more you fail. You just do, and you're more aware of your failure. So they left from the oldest to the youngest. And then Jesus said what? Uh, he said, listen, did no one condemn you? Neither do I. Go and sin no more. And then Jesus said, I am the lie of the world. And then if you want to know Jesus, this what, what comes next is, It's it's some of my favorite verses because the Jesus of the Bible is so different from the Jesus of our imagination. There's this opposition going on between the religious leaders and Jesus, and it's so good. It's so good. You see, nobody believed in the virgin birth. Nobody believed it. And so what they said to Jesus is, we know who our daddy is, but you don't know who your daddy is. They were saying, you're an illegitimate child, and... Some of you know what Jesus said back, right? He said what? I know who my daddy is. He's God the Father. And I also know who your daddy is, and your daddy is the the devil. That's the context of what we're starting. Uh, It's in the middle of that uh, heated discussion. We'll start reading in John 8, verse 47. He who is of God hears the words of God for this reason, you do not hear them because you are not of God. Do you hear what Jesus is saying? The reason you don't understand what I'm saying is that you don't belong to God. So they respond, the Jews, and listen. Jesus is Jewish. All our uh, the apostles are all Jewish. It's really speaking here of the religious leaders. The Jews answered and said to him, "Do we not say?" rightly, that you are a Samaritan and have a demon. So they respond, and they call him a a Samaritan, which would have been a racial slur for a Jew. That would be very similar to me saying today, (laughs) you didn't think I was going to say that, did you? (laughs) Well, Smiley, with you, we're not ever quite sure what you're going to say. But listen, that was a racial slur at that time. Because about 600 years before this, some Jewish people, they intermarried with Gentiles, and and they formed their own um, version of the Old Testament. And so Jewish people considered them half-breeds, and they hated them. And so to call someone a Samaritan was a racial slur, but wait, there's more. What they're also saying to Jesus is, since you don't know who your father is, we think your father was a Samaritan. So so it's both a racial slur and also an an insult about his father. And if that weren't enough insulting that you are a Samaritan, they add to that what? You have a a demon. You're possessed by the demon. Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. But I do not seek my glory. There is one who seeks and judges. Truly, truly, truly. I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. Did you hear that? Did you hear what Jesus said? Uh, I mean, if you heard there was a cure for death, you might what? Pay attention. Did you hear? Shouldn't that shake us? Listen to what he says. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, if anyone treasures my word, believes what my word says about me, he will never see death. Wouldn't we want to lean in tell me more? Oh, boy, does our culture need to hear. That Jesus wants to free us not only from death, but from the fear of death. Don't we live in a culture that's afraid to die? Listen to what Jesus said, truly, truly. I say to you, if anyone hears my word, he will never see death. <coughs> The Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, and the prophets also. And you say, If anyone keeps my word, he will never taste of death? Now, notice they quote him, but misquote him a little bit, don't they? They change the word see to taste. But but actually, the idea of seeing death or tasting death are the same because Jesus doesn't correct them. So. Jesus says that if we believe in him, we'll not see or taste death. So you're discipling someone and they ask you the question, do Christians die? Do Christians die? How do you answer that question? Uh, Do do Christians die? And uh, the way I would answer that question is is I would say, yes, we do. And no, we don't. Uh, Yes, we do. And no, we don't. And you would say, wow, thanks. That clarifies it a lot. So let me help you understand this important promise that Jesus makes to us. If we go back in John a couple of chapters to chapter 5, I mean, I would think there'd be a lot of people who'd want to come to church. And here, could there possibly be a cure for death? Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word, there's his word, And believes Him who sent me has eternal life. Notice, it's not that they will have it when they die, they have it. When people hear the word and they believe the word, they have eternal life and listen to what He says and does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death into life. The moment someone believes they're raised from the dead and they begin an unending friendship with Jesus Christ, and it never ends, it never ends. And it's nothing. The Bible says nothing will separate us from the love of Christ. Not even death. Right? Uh, to help you understand that a little bit more, remember where we were a few weeks ago. We were in John 11, and, uh, <clears throat> and and Lazarus was died, and Jesus is speaking to Martha. Jesus said to her, "I am the resurrection and the life. He who lives in me will live even if he dies." What? Here's what happens. Listen, our bodies die and are laid in the grave, but we do not die. Listen, we go from walking by faith to walking by sight. He the one who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? All right, now I want to help you a little bit more to understand that yes, we do and no we don't. Our bodies die, but we do not. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I want you to know that most of us will experience eternal life in three states, good, and better, and best. I mean, how many of you would like to see a future and see good, better, and best? That would be pretty good, wouldn't it? Uh, so, so let me share with you those three states of eternal life. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6, therefore always, Therefore always being of good courage and knowing that we are at home in the body, We are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Eternal life is good now because we do life with Jesus, but it's by faith and not by sight. Right now, it's good because we're at home in our bodies, but we're absent from the physical presence of Jesus. So what happens to a Christian when they die? They go from good to better. We are of good courage, I say, and prefer... Notice that, prefer rather to be absent from the body. Our bodies are laid in the grave and to be at home with the Lord, but we go to be with Jesus and walk by sight. I mean, a lot of times we see martyrs, right? We see Christians who lay down their lives and we're so shocked. But what if we believed? What if we believe what Jesus said is true, that we prefer to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. We go from something that's good to something that's better. Oh, but I want you to know the best is yet to come because when we, when we go to be with Jesus, we're absent from the body, but we're at home with the Lord. But one day soon, Jesus is coming up back. And when he comes back, our bodies are going to be raised up and we're going to be at home in our bodies and at home with the Lord on a new earth forever and ever. That's what Jesus is promising us. If we believe in him, We can look ahead and see good and better and best that we get to do life with him now. When we die, we go to be with him, and we'll be with him forever with new bodies on a new earth. So it's a pretty big promise. The Jews mock him for it. Verse 52, the Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, and the prophets also. And you say... Uh, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste of death. Surely you are not greater than our father Abraham who died. Oh. But he was, right? And he is. Listen, he's the creator. He He's in their presence. And they're, and they're, you're not greater uh, than our father Abraham. Um, I got myself lost in here. Surely you're not greater now I found myself. That's good. I once was lost, and now I'm found. <laughs> Surely you're not greater than our father Abraham who died. The prophets died too. Whom do you make yourself out to be? Didn't I ask you at the beginning to ask what's the most important in question in life? And isn't that the question they're asking? They're saying, whom do you make yourself out to be? Do you believe you're greater than, than Abraham and the prophets? And and we're going to say, Jesus says, yes, I am, that I'm fully God and fully man. That's who he's going to say. And he lays out the evidence for that. Fact number one, fact number one is that the Father glorifies me. Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, if I'm always talking about how great my, I am, that's nothing. If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. And you have not come to know him, but I know him. And if I say that I do not know him, I will be a liar like you. Listen, we have this picture of Jesus as this nice guy. But the, the, the Jesus of the Bible is so different from the one we imagine. Yes, he's the Lamb of God, but he's also the Lion of Judah, isn't he? And he says, Listen, if I say I don't know God, I'd be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. So fact number one, that Jesus is fully God and fully man, is he says, my Father glorifies me. He, my Father glorifies me. And we say, how? You remember his baptism, right? When Jesus was baptized, remember, he, he's baptized, the Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove, and in a voice, his Father says what? This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Wasn't it the Father? Didn't people hear that, that the Father was glorifying the Son? How about the Mount of Transfiguration? Remember, Jesus takes some, some of his disciples up with him. We sing at Christmas, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, but his glory, which had been failed, was unveiled, and, and, and all of his glory shined through. And again, the voice out of heaven, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And he added something. Listen to him. <laughs> you, want a, you want a life-changing uh, little tip? Listen to him. You want an eternity-changing thing? Listen to Jesus, because Jesus is fully God and fully man. How did the Father glorify the Son that when Jesus was crucified on the third day, the Father raised him from the dead? Fact number one, uh, that we should believe that Jesus is fully God and fully man, is the Father glorifies him. Fact number two, that's his heavenly Father. Now he turns to your father, Abraham. Fact number two is that Abraham believed that Jesus was God in the flesh. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day and he saw it and was glad. So uh, about 2,000 years before Jesus came, Abraham saw. He saw that one day Jesus would come. He saw his day. That that God would become flesh and live among us and live and die and rise. He saw that and he was glad. And, And you say, well... How did he see that? L- let me show you. The Bible is one story. It's one story from beginning to end, and it's all about Jesus. So in Galatians chapter 3, verse 6, we read, "...even so Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness." Huh. Abraham put his faith in Jesus just like we do, and when he did, his sins were imputed to Christ, and he was forgiven, and Christ's righteousness was imputed to him, and he was righteous. Therefore, be sure that it is those who are of faith who are the sons of Abraham. The scriptures foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham. Now first, the scriptures and God are so closely connected that the Bible is spoken of as though it were God. Wouldn't we open our Bible more if we believed it truly was God's Word? Do you hear what it says? The Scripture. The Scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. Preach the Gospel. The Gospel was preached to Abraham 2,000 years before Jesus came. uh, Saying, all the nations will be blessed in you. And you say, well, how was the Gospel preached to Abraham? Remember Genesis 12? Remember God established His covenant with Abraham? There was a top line and a bottom line, and the top line is, I will bless you, and the bottom line is, you'll be a blessing to all the nations. And then he said, one of your descendants will bring salvation to all the nations. Wow. In your descendant, all the nations will be blessed. And Abraham believed that promise, and because of that, he was just before God. So then, those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham, the believer, Jesus says, listen, I'm fully God and fully man. My father, he glorifies me by affirming that. And listen, Abraham does because Abraham looked ahead. He saw my day and he rejoiced and was glad. In fact, number three we're going to see is Jesus claims to be fully God and fully man. Man, this this section is is so, so good. Uh, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old. How old is he? 33-ish? You are not yet 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? (laughs) If you're going to be that far off on someone's age, I hope you're guessing the age of a guy and not a girl, huh? I mean, it would be pretty frightening to tell a 33-year-old lady, "Uh, I think you're younger than 50, aren't you? You might end up dead. (laughs) Sometime read Isaiah 53. Read Isaiah 53, and you'll understand a little bit more about the question that Jesus isn't like these paintings people have of him. The Bible says he was the kind of man that people turn their eyes away from. But um, you are not yet 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. Every word in this sentence rocked their boats and shook them. He starts off with truly, truly. That's Amen, Amen. And I've told you this before, but I'm sure you've forgotten it. Um, when, when, what would happen in a synagogue? What would happen in a synagogue is someone would read the scriptures. And after they read the scriptures, they would talk. And if the elders in the synagogue believed it was true, they would say, Amen, amen, which means it's true, it's true. It's like a pastor today. He wants some encouragement, so he says, Can I get a Amen from that. And when people say amen, they're saying that's true. But Jesus didn't wait for the elders. He started his statement with amen, amen. He was saying this is God's word and that would have rocked their boats. Notice what he says next. He says, truly, truly, this is God's word. He says what? I say to you, what did the prophets in the Old Testament say? Come on, help me. What? Thus Says the Lord. What is Billy Graham's famous line? The Bible says. But Jesus didn't say, thus says the Lord. He didn't say, the Bible says. He says what? I say to you. He's claiming to be God. And if that didn't shock them enough, what he said next said next, just pushed them over the edge. Before Abraham was born, I am Now, I have to take you back 2,000 years because we don't really get this. And then then let me take you back another 1,500 years. To understand this, we have to go back. And and Moses is 80 years old and retired. God calls him out of retirement. I want you to go and lead my people out of Egypt. He says, I can't do it because if people ask me your name, I don't know your name. And God said, my name is? I am who I am. You tell him I am essentially you. So Jewish people were very afraid of of using God's name in vain. That's why if your Bible is like mine, whenever Lord's in capital letters, it's Yahweh, because they were afraid to say his name in vain. And here, with Jewish people, he starts out with truly, truly. He says, I say to you. And then he says, before Abraham was, I am. He says, I am God in the flesh. And they were shocked. Because if all Jesus wanted to do was teach people how old he was, he would have said what? Before Abraham was born, I was. I. Was. But that's not what he's claiming. He's saying before Abraham was born, what, I am because I'm God. And they knew exactly what he was claiming. Notice how they responded. Therefore, they picked up stones to throw at him because blasphemy was a capital offense and they believed he being a man claiming to be God was deserving of death. So they tried to stone him. But he himself hid, he hid himself and went out of the temple. It's not because he was afraid to die, he had come to die. It wasn't the time to die, because he wanted to die on the Passover as our Passover lamb. So, what we're learning is that Jesus is fully God and fully man, and uh, we've learned that he made a promise, and, and his promise was that if we believed in him, treasured him, held on to his word, we would never see or taste death. That makes us want to lean in. Then we want to ask, who's making the promise? Who's making that promise to us? It's Jesus, and who is he? He's God who cannot lie. And what's the evidence for that? The evidence is the Father glorified the Son. What's the evidence? Abraham believed and rejoiced. What is the evidence? He claimed to be God. And what else do I want you to see? That people responded in two ways to Jesus. Um, some people, when they heard about Jesus, when they saw Jesus, they responded with hostility. Don't we see that in verse 59? Therefore they picked up stones to throw at him. They wanted Jesus dead. There's, there's hostility, but there's also hunger. There's hunger because when Abraham believed, he had hunger and joy, right? Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Oh, what is the gospel? That Jesus is fully God and fully man who offers us eternal life. Is your response one of hunger or hostility? Hmm. Uh, this week I was uh, having lunch with a guy and he said, smiling, I've been coming to good news for a while. Why why do you always mention sin? And, and I said, well, uh, before we appreciate the good news of the gospel, we need to first understand the the bad news of the gospel. said, a matter of fact, this month we celebrate Jesus coming, right? Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there's been born for you a Savior. The only people that's good news for is what? People who realize they're sinners. If you don't recognize your sin, you have no joy in the birth of a Savior. But if you see your sin, oh man, this is a great time of year. So I began to walk with him uh, through the bad news. I said, God has revealed to us the top 10 things that bug him most. Let's see how you do. <laughs> he didn't do very well. Me neither. Do you know what? Have, have you always honored your father and mother? Have you? Man, I haven't. I said to him, listen, have you ever told a lie? And he, like me, said, yeah. Have you ever stolen anything? Yeah. Have you ever wanted what someone else has? Listen, when we compare ourselves to the top thing, 10 things that bug God most, We don't do very well, and what makes sin so bad is we've sinned against God, and once we understand our sin, then we say, well, tell me, tell me what I do, and that's the good news of a Savior. That's what Jesus is saying, truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. If you believe in me, you can be forgiven and live forever. That's the good news. The good news is that Jesus is fully God and fully man, that God left heaven and came to earth to save sinners, that he lived a perfect life for us. Oh, and then he went to the cross and he died for our sins once and for all, paying in full the penalty for our sins. He died, crying out, it's finished. He was buried, but he didn't stay dead. He walked out of the tomb. That's proved he had conquered sin and death. And because of that, he could offer to us eternal life. And do you know what eternal life? It's the forgiveness of our sins, past, present, and future. Have you ever done anything wrong? Man, I have It's so good to be forgiven, isn't it? It's the chance to do life with Jesus. It's the chance to do eternity with Jesus. And how do we get this gift? He says it's so simple, we believe. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Wait a minute, Smiley. You say there's a way to be forgiven of everything I've done wrong? Yes. And and, and you're saying that I could do life with Jesus? And and are you saying that I could spend eternity in heaven with Jesus rather than hell? Yes. And that all I need to do is to believe? Yes. Well, who wouldn't want to believe, right? (laughs) Who wouldn't? Oh. So what does it mean to believe? Listen, believing in Jesus, there's like three steps to it. There's an A and a B and a C. And it starts when we admit. We admit that we've sinned. Yes, the world is broken, but I am too. I've sinned against you. And if you've done, never done that, won't you do that now? Or I'd be glad to help you when we close. But it starts when we admit, Jesus, I've sinned. And then we believe. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. Do you? And then we commit. Jesus, I want you to be my Savior. I'm going to quit trying to earn my way into heaven and then trust you. Forgive me. Give me eternal life, won't you? And I want you to be Lord of my life. (laughs) Help me be the person you want me to be, and and he will, won't you? (laughs) And if you have, I mean, are are you kidding me? You mean mean we're forgiven? Yes. You you mean we get to do life with Jesus? Yes. You mean we get to do eternity with Jesus? Yes. Yes. So I bet you can't guess what the action step for this week's going to be. You know what I want you to do? I want you to rejoice and be glad. I want you to rejoice. I mean, could there be a better action step than that? I just want you to rejoice. Remember what we learned today? Rejoice and be glad. Rejoice and be glad. Uh, I want you to rejoice and be glad, just like Abraham did in, in our worship, in our worship. Your father, Abraham, rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Listen, Abraham never saw it. He saw it from a distance. He, he didn't see the birth and death and burial and resurrection of Jesus like we. He saw it from a distance. He still rejoiced and was glad. We have the eyewitness accounts of those who saw his birth, death, uh, burial, and resurrection. They saw it, and we, we get to see it and rejoice and be glad. Because nothing matters more than knowing Jesus. Um, one, of our, one of our members, I was meeting with this group to disciple them this week, and he said, Smiley, uh, uh, my wife and I and my brother were recently in an accident. Uh, We were coming down 295, and the cars in front of me stopped, and I stopped just in time, but the car behind me didn't hit whack. And when the car behind me hit me, I looked in my rearview mirror, and I saw a semi headed our way that could not stop. Now, at that moment, what's the most important question in life? What? Who is Jesus? Jesus. And what matters most in that lie, in that moment, what matters most is what? That we know Jesus, and better yet, that He knows us. Listen, that day's coming for all of us. you know It is. It might be in a car accident. It might be in somewhere else. And, but that's why that is the most important question in life is who is Jesus? And what has He promised us? When he was telling me that story, it reminded me, uh, uh, many years ago, two of our boys. Uh, We're headed to a soccer tournament in Tampa. Now, some of you ask me, how's your son? I have four sons. I have four sons and two daughters. But two of our boys were headed to a soccer tournament in Tampa. We have six kids. We couldn't go to all their games. And um, they're driving with a father of another player. And while they're driving down 75, a semi hits the back of their car and sends them spinning into the median. And they come to stop just a few feet before oncoming traffic. And you know the difference between teenage boys and adults? You know what our boy said? That was cool. <laughs> could we do it again? But the dad realized that he had almost killed our two boys and his. And, um, man, he was freaked out. So, so what do you think he did? What he did was he took our boys to the game where they could play, and then he went to a bar and he got something to drink. Because we live in a world that says, drink and forget. Drink and forget that you're going to die. But do you know what we do in God's family? We gather around a meal like we're about to eat. And we drink and remember, oh, Do you know why we come together and rejoice and are glad? Because we eat a meal. And Jesus said, this is my body, which is given for you. And we're blown away that Jesus is fully God and fully man. And then he took a cup and said, this cup is my blood, which is shed for many for forgiveness of sins. And we remember that Christ shed his blood and rose so that we could be freed not only from death, but from the fear of death. Don't we live in a culture petrified and the world says drink and forget? And we say, no, no, drink and remember. Drink and remember for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Um, Drink and remember. Drink and remember in worship that uh, drink or let's rejoice and be glad in, in worship. Let's rejoice and be glad by waking up this week and having breakfast with Jesus. <laughs> I mean, Jesus invites us. And do you know what happens when we meet with Jesus for breakfast? He feeds us the bread of life. He says if we would come and eat, we'd never hunger. He feeds us his word. You know when he offers us living water, he offers the Holy Spirit flow. Who wouldn't want the bread of life in living water? And oh, when we spend time with him, we do rejoice and we're glad because here's what he tells us in Luke chapter 10. He had sent his disciples out and uh, they saw some amazing things. They came back and they were really quite happy. But notice what Jesus said to people who were happy. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are recorded in heaven rejoice that you know Jesus and He knows you. And I know people tell me a lot, well, you know, Smiley, there's more to the Christian life than going to heaven when you die. Absolutely. But when you understand what's to come that the best is yet to come, that's what enables us to enjoy living in a broken world as broken people because we know one day we won't be broken. We know one day the world won't be broken, and that's what enables us to have an abundant life is to live life knowing that it's good, better, and best in the future. You know why else that's so important? Because life here is hard, isn't it? And a lot of us are going through incredibly difficult times. And you know what's important? to Remember, our suffering in this life is for five minutes. Are you going through a time? Listen, in light of eternity, what we're dealing with is for five minutes. And I know it's hard. I know it's hard. But Jesus says, don't forget. Don't forget it's just for five minutes. It's just and for all of eternity. For all of eternity, we're going to have new bodies. And we're going to live on a new earth. No more tears and no more sorrows. So don't give up. Don't give up. Oh, rejoice and be glad in worship. Rejoice and be glad by getting up and having breakfast with Jesus. Rejoice and be glad like Abraham in all of life. In all of, imagine this week, you go out and people say, How are you? And you say, I am rejoicing and I am so glad. What do you think people would do? What? Oh, The reason I'm rejoicing is because of Jesus he loves me. He died for me. He rose. Listen, I am forgiven. I have messed up so much and I'm forgiven. Wouldn't you like to be forgiven? Wouldn't you? I have a friend who loves me, who knows everything about me and says he's never leaving. Don't you want a friend like that? He's promised to get me safely home. He's given me a purpose. Wouldn't you like to know him? Oh, the reason I'm rejoicing and glad is I know when I look ahead in the future, I see good, better, and best. Wouldn't you like to see that? You can, you know. You really, really can. Wouldn't we stand out if we were like Abraham? We were a people of rejoicing and gladness in a broken world. Ah. And lastly, I want you to rejoice and be glad this week that you're a part of a church that teaches the Bible in a culture that's abandoned. Will you? And I want you to rejoice and be glad that you're a part of a church that wants to win lost people and make disciples. Who can make disciples? I want you to rejoice and be glad. And I want to invite you to something. You see, when Jesus called his disciples, um, he he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. But they weren't fishing like many of us do with rods and reels. They were fishing with a net. And so he was saying, follow me. And and together, together we're going to win people to Christ. And so I want to invite you to join our Christmas team this year. I'm putting together a team and I want you to join it. And there's four ways in the next month you can be a part of our Christmas team. First, I'm asking you, will you pray? Will you pray for specific people you would like to see come on Christmas Eve so they can hear the gospel? Strider shared earlier that his life was changed by being inviting. Same with me. I was the least likely person people would think to come to faith in Christ, and someone invited me, and I met Jesus, and my life has never been the same. There's tremendous power in inviting. Uh, So you can pray, and then you can invite, right? Oh, as Strider shared, that we have two kinds of uh, invitations. We have uh, business card signs. We have postcard signs. Won't you stop by the table in the lobby and grab a bunch? Uh, won't you invite you you talk to Jesus about people first you pray and then you talk to people about Jesus something else you can do if you go to our web page goodnewsloves.com you can click on the invitation there and copy it I'm giving you technical advice is this good or what okay Uh, and you can text the invitation to people you can send the email to people and you can invite people that way you can pray you can invite you can come won't you on Christmas Eve come early Won't you come and welcome people, won't you? Uh, And won't you not rush out so so you can look around for people and make them feel welcome, especially the people you invited? And then will you follow up? If you've invited someone and they come, follow up. If they've come to faith in Christ, why don't you disciple them? You say, well, I don't know how. Well, we'll disciple you so you can. To follow up, will you share with me the stories of the people you're inviting and and, and the people that uh, uh, respond? I'd love to hear your stories. So here's what I want you to do. If you'd like to be a part of our Christmas team, and you could do it at level one, two, three, or four, I'd love for you to put that on your card, put your name, and put your number, or, or you can just email me at goodnewsloves.com, and I'm going to make a, a list of people that I'm going to pray for. And I'm not only going to pray for you, I will send out to you some ideas on how to pray for people. I'll coach you on how to invite and come and follow up. And we, we can do this together. And and I know some of you say, well, Smiley, I won't be here on Christmas Eve. That's okay. If you won't be here, you can put three on your card. Because you can still, what? Pray, won't you? You can still, what? Invite. You know what else you can do? You can still follow up. Listen, all of us. Listen, some of us might say, I'm a one, a two, a three. But listen, all of us can pull on the nets together. Will you join me in making this December to remember where all of us together, ones, twos, threes, and four, we pull on the net together. Ah. Wow, I've talked for a long time. I've been circling the airport. airport. How do I land the plane? Ah, here's how. Most important question in life, who is Jesus? Promise he made to us, that if we believe in him, we would never see or taste death. Our assignment this week, man, our assignment this week is to rejoice and be glad. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for leaving heaven and coming to earth. Thank you for living that perfect life for us. Thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. Thank you for rising. Thank you for offering us eternal life. Listen, if you'd like to be forgiven, to do life and eternity with Jesus, and you've never received him, won't you? He's here. Won't you just tell him, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And I want you to come in and be my savior and forgive me, and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life, and help me be the person you want me to be. Well, if you've done that for the first time, won't you mark that on your card? We'd love to celebrate with you. And Jesus, I pray for those of us who who have received you, that as we come to this meal, that we would eat and drink and remember and rejoice and be glad. And Lord, I pray when we get up this week, we would see you sitting there with some coffee saying, come, come and eat, come and drink. And we would meet with you and we would rejoice and be glad. And Lord, as we go out into a joyless, gladless society, may we go out overflowing with joy and gladness and share you with others. And Lord, I pray all of us, we'd grab the nets together. We'd all be a part of a Christmas team where we all pull together and we pray and we invite, and we come, and we follow up. Lord, we're looking forward to seeing you do great things in us and through us in this month, and we pray in Jesus' name, amen.